0: hallelujah all right I love starting off the new year with a theme of growth because I don't know about you but when things stay the same and you get into a routine even personally you get to be boring and I don't know about you but apart from the Holy Spirit I am boring just want to see if anybody was going to amen that Um, you guys did a good job of restraint good job good job but how about, you know what, all of us are boring apart from the Holy Spirit. We're, we're, we're doomed to routine and we're doomed to status quo and kind of staying in the same mold. But Pastor Andrew last week did a wonderful job of establishing the fact that growth is central to the gospel. And let me unpackage that again just by way of review. In other words, growth is not the icing on the cake. Like, ask Jesus in your heart, and then if you grow, that's cool. But if not, all right, it didn't happen. How many of you know growth should be something we're pursuing? Because the Bible says this. And I want you to hear this. The reason God saved you and me is so that we might be transformed into the image of His Son. Yes, amen. Now, how many of you know you can't be transformed? That whole transformed embedded Im- in that concept is growth. It means you're going from one thing to the next. Now, when the summer comes, I'm trying to cheer you guys up. When the summer comes, and it is coming, beautiful butterflies will be flying around on my patio like every year, and I'll sit out there in that 80-degree weather catching some rays in my shorts and my flip-flops, drinking some ice. You guys got a vision with me. That's coming. I'm (laughs) prophesying that. That is coming. And, And we'll be watching butterflies, and you know what? The reason I get... Excited about butterflies is that amazing creature that's so beautiful started from a worm slithering on the ground, a very non-beautiful worm. Just I mean a blob on the ground, and now this this amazing creature that you can't even like catch is so elusive and so beautiful. How you know that's called transformation? We go from the worm. To the butterfly and there's something exciting about that and it's not optional because Christ's likeness is not optional i mean you know the great commission when the lost make disciples of all nations you cannot do that if you're not growing and moving with the holy spirit and if the people that you're reaching are not growing and so you can't even think of the gospel apart from Growth. And we all, I hope every one of you has a plan to grow this year. We're, we're giving you components this year, like non-negotiables. In fact, that's my, that's my task today is to talk about the first one of these, which is revelation. But let's, let's go back to what Andrew said last week, too. This is important. He said there's a massive difference between learning and growing. We all love to learn new things. In fact, some of you are the like trivial pursuit people. You know everything about anything. I hate playing games with you people. I'm, that's why over the holidays, my, all my kids and my way, hey, let's play a game. I'm like, oh. So I can be humiliated, again, that I don't know anything about trivia in life. But I mean, you know, I'm being a little sarcastic there. Uh, because what good is it to know a whole lot about nothing? And there's no merit. There's no merit in knowing a lot, or accumulating information if it does not become embedded in your life, producing transformation. And the problem with transformation is it requires change, and change is painful, and we don't like pain. Am I talking to the right crowd? And so we love learning new things, but we hate growing. Because growing means something different. It means like if you're starting your your membership at the Y this year and you're using muscles that you've never used before, you are going to be full of pain before you're Arnold Schwarzenegger Jr., all right? You're going to be hurting. Comes with the territory. But pain is good if pain means change and if the change means Christ likeness. Today we're going to talk about revelation. Next Sunday we're going to talk about relationship. In the third Sunday we're going to talk about responsibility and how all those work together, coalesce together to produce transformation in us. So let's talk about revelation this morning to start with. What is it and why is it necessary for spiritual growth? Now this is important, to grow, to be transformed into the image of Christ requires more than simply information and knowledge. How many of you know you can go to church the rest of your life, go to Bible studies till Jesus comes, and never be transformed? Because information alone will not change you. In fact, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, knowledge puffs up. I'm sorry, Paul said that. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Knowledge puffs up. In other words, if all you have is information and you don't have any inspiration or revelation, you're going to become an arrogant Pharisee. How do you know the Pharisees knew the Bible better than anyone in this room? And did Jesus have good words for them? No, because information alone makes you a smarty-pants. It, it fills you full of pride. It makes you, you know, I remember back in the day we used to do Bible quiz bowls and you know, who was the oldest man in the Bible? Methuselah! You know, let me, okay, there's, there's something good about knowing Bible facts, but how many of you know being the quiz bowl champion will not turn you into a spiritual giant necessarily? Because there's more than just storing facts in your head. And many religious cultures we grow up in pride knowledge in the head, but completely miss any emphasis on the heart. And it leads to a great deficit. So Paul said, knowledge puffs up. Paul also warned about some folks that were always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. You know, some people love to just get you aside and just ask you, you know, questions about a certain doctrine because they just want to get into an argument. argument. Argumentation or argumentative people, that's not a fruit of the spirit. If your goal is just to argue doctrine with people, you might be on your way to becoming a well-established Pharisee. That's not where you should be headed. Paul said there's people always pursuing the latest information, the latest theory, the latest uh, truth, but absolutely missing truth that leads to transformation. And that's the scary place. They're always learning stuff, but they're never coming to the truth. Information alone just makes you a Mr. potato head, but truth will transform your life and, and here's why. look with me at Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. The Apostle Paul is praying for the church and I'm glad the Holy Spirit captured some of Paul's Prayers for the church. This is one of them. It's a great thing to pray over us. The Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write this. And this is what we're praying over us this morning. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Notice Paul's prayer was that the Holy Spirit would give us something, impart something to us, namely supernatural wisdom and revelation that opens our eyes to see the glory of Jesus Christ. And how many of you know you have to see Jesus before you can bow your knee and receive Him? You, you have to have the blinders taken off of your eyes to apprehend the beauty of the Lord. And here's the humbling thing about it, you can't do it by yourself. You cannot do it by self-study. You cannot do it by just sitting in church and hearing somebody preach. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It is a spirit of wisdom and revelation. The Holy Spirit brings the wisdom and revelation of Jesus. And without the Holy Spirit, we don't get transformation. We don't have revelation. The word revelation literally means, and I love this, it means to remove the veil. I will hear people come to me sometimes and say, well, you know what, I say, are you a Christian? Well, I'm a seeker. I'm exploring all the various world religions and evidently the goal being that as I do cost-benefit analysis of all the world religions and prophets, including Jesus, then I will come to a conclusion about who I want to follow or what I believe. Lots of luck. You'll become a confused spiritual Pharisee that's still going to hell. Because you don't come to Christ that way. No smarty pants make it into the kingdom of God. If your salvation was dependent upon how smart you are in interpreting the Bible, half the world's population wouldn't qualify. The illiterate wouldn't qualify. In other words, salvation would be contingent upon literacy, but it's not. Salvation is an encounter with the living God through the Holy Spirit who removes the veil, and we go, wow, I've never seen that before. So you you can't even give your life to Christ until someone outside of you, namely the Holy Spirit, takes the veil off of your eyes. So that salvation is by grace through faith, not that you can boast about you choosing Christ When you couldn't choose Christ, when you're walking around like a blind squirrel with a veil over your eyes trying to find a nut, all right? You gotta have some power outside of you rip the veil off of your eyes. And how many of you know this is humbling? Say that again. I will, in many ways, over. (laughs) Please hear me. Do you understand that what I just shared with you is incredibly humbling? Because it means you're not required to figure it all out by yourself. You're not required to have, you know, revelation. In fact, you can't have a revelation apart from a revelator. You have to have the Holy Spirit help you, which is humbling. It means you're crippled and you're broken and you're blind. And last time I checked, blind people don't heal themselves. It requires a power, a force outside of them that, boom, opens eyes that were once blind, and now they see. In fact, check this out. The word revelation is a Greek word, apocalypsis, which refers to something that has been veiled or hidden for a long time, and then suddenly, almost instantaneously, it becomes clear and visible to the mind or the eye. How many of you have ever had an aha moment? Now, here's what I want to say. The purpose of the aha moment does not mean God's revealing something new in addition to the scripture. The aha moment is just God opening your eyes to something you've never seen before. Now listen, when this comes to transformation, this is why this is so important. How many of you in this room, besides your pastor, have blind spots? Now let me tell you something. If you want to be changed and become like Jesus, the fact that you have a blind spot means first of all, God probably gives you a spouse. (laughs) Amen. The purpose isn't so, she can make me happy. Why aren't you making me happy? The purpose is so she can help expose areas where I'm weak and help me see if I'm not too defensive And if I say thank you, because I know she loves me, that's why she married me, not to hurt me, but to help me. And when it's a Christian marriage, it's to help each other become more like Jesus. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. So the aha moment, okay, like probably half of you in this room need to go to the upcoming encounter. Let me tell you why. When you are in an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit has been welcomed, he's the one who gives you the aha so here you are, you're going, man, why, do I, why am I so angry all the time? Why, am I, why do I have a spirit of rejection? Every time someone tries to talk to me, I push them away and I, I cut and I run. Why, why do I act that way? Why am I so full of lust? What is the problem? Why, why am I impatient? Lord, I don't understand why I am the way that I am. Well, you bring yourself into an environment that's pregnant with the Holy Spirit And it's the Holy Spirit's job to take the blinder off and for you to go, aha. And the aha is when you see for the first time. How about this? You're living in a house full of windows, but there's curtains over all the windows. One day someone comes into your house and says, man, it's dark and dingy in here. And they open the curtains. And for the first time you've been living in your house 10 years, you've never seen your front yard. Your front yard's been there all along. You haven't seen it. Somebody opens the curtains. You go, Aha there's trees in my front yard. There's beauty in my front yard. It was always there. You just couldn't see it. Because the blinders have to be removed. Let me, you know, there are people who, I get it, your right brain, left brain, whatever you are. Some people like the Word. Some people love the worship. Uh, how many of you know here we want to be Word and worship? And let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. I've known people that show up to church late because worship makes them uncomfortable, so they just show up for the Word. I didn't you know all that touchy-feely stuff. I just, I just want to show up for the Word. The Word. You're on your way to becoming an A-plus Pharisee. You're going to be one of the finest You know why? Because you're more comfortable with ideas than you are with a person. And the reason we welcome the Holy Spirit in this place is because when the Holy Spirit is in this place, what are we doing? And I'm encouraging you all. Some of you are coming from different church cultures, I get it, and you're not used to this. I encourage you, shut your eyes and open your heart and posture yourself in a place of humility and worship with your mouth So you can hear with your own ears what your mouth is saying. Jesus, you are the miracle worker. You're the way maker. It doesn't matter what it looks like. You're still working. It doesn't matter what it feels like. You're still working. When you start to worship like that, you bring yourself into an environment where transformation can happen. And listen, I preach better when I worship first because when I'm worshiping over in my little spot over there, When I'm worshiping, the Holy Spirit is dropping things into my spirit about the message that are coming out of heaven. And you're ready for this? You get a better product. Because I I heard a religious person say to me one time, you know, if pastors aren't spending at least 40 hours a week working on their message, they're just not doing their job and they're not hearing God. I never saw anywhere in the Bible where Jesus hid away for a week to get ready to preach the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, i just tell you this, if you think that's what pastors have the luxury of doing, hiding in a closet for 40 hours a week, reading their Bible and just singing Kumbaya, are you nuts? People are dealing with real problems. People need an encounter with God. People need transformation. But can I share something with you? Yes, I need to study to show myself approved. But if my heart's not keeping up with my head, what good is it? Because you know what happens with preachers when their heart and their head are not matched? When you got Mr. Potato Head in the pulpit, you get Charlie Brown preaching. Wah, 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 wah. And some of you have sat under that kind of ministry. Some, of, some people go to church, they're not five minutes into the message. They're checking their clock. I'll just say something to you. That's not always the congregation's fault. Sometimes it's because the preacher's preaching perfect theology, but he hasn't had an encounter in his heart with the Holy Spirit, so there's no fire or life or anointing or cutting edge on the Word of God. And you don't want to sit under that preaching. We need the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the Holy Spirit leads us into truth. And listen, the Holy Spirit leads you into truth. And truth is a person. His name is Jesus. Yes. And so can I just tell you, if you're one of those people, man, I just feel awkward. That's okay. Do some heart work. Yeah. Shut your eyes so you what, what are people going to think? Man, they know what church I came from. If I raise my hand, man. What if it gets back to the... Who cares? Why don't you shut your eyes? And say, Jesus, it's all about me and you right now. And I just surrender to you. And I love you. God, I want fire in my heart. I want my heart to be alive. I don't want to keep living the way that I'm living. I'm hungry for transformation. If you'll be real with God, your heart will be like the Grinch. It will grow three sizes. (laughs) And you'll start running around bringing trees and ornaments back to everybody and returning everything you stole. Because Christmas will happen in your heart. Some of you, trust me with this. You all remember Bill Heibel's Willow Creek Church, great church. They did a study, though, a few years back, you know, because this whole seeker-sensitive model is if we meet people that are unsaved and we meet them over here and we create services that speak to the unsaved seeker, and then we create programs and Bible studies to lead them along, we can take them from a seeker and we can turn them into a fully mature follower of Jesus Christ. And after 20 years of doing that, they actually studied the fruit. And I appreciate Bill Hybel's humility. But this is what Bill Heibel said. Information, 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 information does not lead to transformation. Amen. Amen. Because it doesn't matter how many Bible studies you sit through. If you don't have an encounter with the Holy Spirit to make the word alive. And to cause you to want to change and to want to humble yourself and to want more. If your heart does not keep up with your head, you're actually in Pharisee training 101. Amen. And I've seen churches that pride themselves and study, 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 study. But they've never allowed the Holy Spirit to rock their heart. Yes. And I've seen people that are experts in theology and have a porn addiction at the same time. Yes. And you ask me how that can happen. How can you be an expert in theology and be addicted to pornography and the same person at the same time? I'll tell you how. Because your head is full of information, even religious information, and your heart is shriveled up like a dead prune. And there's no power in your life. There's no change in your life. There's no passion for God in your life. Because you have thought that the way to become spiritual is to go to a Bible study. Now, please hear what I'm saying. Thank God for Bible studies. I'm not discounting the word of God. But I am saying you have got to have an encounter with a person. We're not reading history lessons from the Bible. We're trying to have the Bible lead us to a real living Savior who's alive and to the Holy Spirit who's moving in our lives right now. You have to have both. Or you can kill people with the Bible. and. God knows there's a, there is a, an America full of people who have given up on the church yes. because they were schooled by Pharisees who didn't know the Holy Spirit and in church cultures that were biting and abusive and harsh instead of places where the love of God was flowing. Yes. And, uh, and we need to go after those people. Yes. The Holy Spirit leads us into truth. That means we need supernatural help. Now, I, this is not just a cute little phrase. It is the truth. As you're going through your Bible this year, and I hope, how many of you have got a Bible reading plan that you're working, all right? I encourage all of you get, when you go online, type in Bible reading plan, you can find an assortment of Bible reading plan. But how many of you, as you're reading through the scriptures, and I've done this now many, many times, you still have aha moments with the Holy Spirit? Like, why didn't I see that? Because here's what changes. Your season of life changes. Your circumstances change. What you're going with the challenges you're facing change and the Holy Spirit is there to awaken fresh manna for this season if you'll meet him But you have to you know what a privilege to study the Bible with the author of the Bible living inside of you Talk to him Humble yourself tell him man. I can't get nothing out of this in my own intellect So Holy Spirit help me and guess what he'll help you. It's called humility Humility He'll help you. And if your goal is change, he'll really, really help you, not just to be a Bible smarty pants. So here's the truth you need to hear. Do you read the Bible, or do you let the Bible read you? How, you know, it's a huge difference. Do you read the Bible, or does the Bible read you? The Bible is supposed to read me. In other words, when you're reading something, and it, conviction comes up because you go, ugh, like that pastor where Jesus said, you know, if you don't forgive your brother, I'm not going to forgive you. And you go, ouch. Amen. Amen. And then here's what religious people go, oh, that is such a true principle. Yep, that is good. Jesus, good one. And, uh, and Jesus is trying to go, hello, what about your brother-in-law? What about your brother-in-law? Leave your gift at the altar and go to your brother-in-law and ask him to forgive you. Instead, said, great principle. I'm going to post that on Facebook. Is this the truth? The purpose of the word is to rock me. Not to go, oh, good one, Jesus. Good point. I'm going to tweet that one later. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 17. Jesus says to Simon, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human being. That's called aha, aha. Jesus said, who do people say that I am? Peter got the right answer, but it's not because he took better notes on the Sermon on the Mount, all right? It's because the Holy Spirit revealed something to him that rocked him. How many know Peter was crucified upside down because he wasn't worthy to be crucified the way Jesus was crucified? This is why Paul asked back there in Ephesians 1.17. He asked God to give the Ephesian church a spirit of wisdom and revelation. That word give means to hand something over completely to someone else or to impart. So you'll hear at churches like ours that believe in the Holy Spirit, we'll talk about nights or ministry time of impartation. What does that mean? It means we're believing God and through the laying on of hands, through joining in prayer, through prayer, there's an impartation of something from the Holy Spirit that you need and that you didn't previously have. In other words, God's going to supersize us as we ask for help, all right? Now, Marion was praying with Joe Warner uh, over in this corner, those of you that were here for our week one, and she was praying also listening to what the Lord was saying about various folks that came up and sharing what God put on her. heart, But she made the comment. She goes, wow, you know, Joe's level of revelation and moving with the Holy Spirit was superior to mine. But she didn't go home and pout about it. What she said was, I'm excited about the opportunity to take what I've been given by God and to use it. And here's the principle of the kingdom. When you use it, it gets multiplied. So we should never look at somebody else's skill set and go, oh man, I wish I could teach like that. I wish I could sing like that. I would... Use what God's given you and he enlarges it. Here's the flip side. When get to that, I'm getting a little ahead in the back. If you don't use what you've been given, it doesn't stay the same. It atrophies and eventually God takes it from you and gives it to someone else who will use it. I'm gonna get to that in just a moment. All right, right, I'm getting. you guys are getting ahead of me. All right, I'm gonna pull you back. All right. So revelation is special insight that's not naturally attained, but rather supernaturally imparted. I already shared, information alone leads to an intellectual arrogance. But revelation will lead to transformation. And this is why the heart, everybody say the heart. The heart, the heart, the heart, the heart, the heart is critical to our ongoing encounter with God's revelation. Turn with me to Isaiah, I'm sorry, to um. To Matthew chapter 13. Uh, I'm going to talk here in the last little bit that we have. Who receives revelation and how do you receive revelation? In our New Testament, one of the most quoted Old Testament passages is Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. It's quoted six times in the New Testament Matthew's Gospel, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. How many of you know when the Bible repeats an Old Testament verse six times? Once in each of those uh, Gospels and in Acts and in Romans, how I many you know there's something God's trying to communicate to us? It's not that he forgot. There's something the Holy Spirit is re-emphasizing six times. How many of you think we should pay attention? Amen. On three of those times that this, this passage is quoted, it's attached to the parable of the sower. And so turn with me, Matthew chapter 13. Actually, if you go back to verse 9, Jesus says something that you've heard him say over and over again. It even comes up in the book of Revelation. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Right. Let me ask you this question. How many of you were born with two ears? Go ahead and check. Make sure they're there. All right, good. That means you're human. It doesn't mean you can listen. Right. Right. That's right. That's right. Now, this is like marriage class material right here. All right, Just because you have these does not mean that you use them. And even more, there are spiritual ears that we've been given. But Jesus said, for those with ears to hear. Well, we all have ears. No, no, no. He's talking about a special type of hearing. For those with ears to hear, he's saying, listen. And then he goes on and he tells, first of all, he told the parable. And now he's going to explain it. Look at verse 10 with me. His disciples came to Jesus and asked him this really good question. We'd probably ask the same question. Why do you use parables when you talk to people? Good question, isn't it? Jesus taught mostly in parables. Look at verse 11. Jesus says, you're not permitted, I'm sorry, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. Now, let me ask you a question. Was, Je- was Jesus picking favorites? Hey, you guys over here, you're permitted. Sorry, you guys don't get to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Sorry, you lose, you guys win. Is, it, is Jesus being capricious? Is he just picking, you know, you guys win, you guys lose? That's not what he's doing. Here's the question we should be asking. Why are certain people permitted to hear and others don't hear? They're not permitted to hear. What's the deciding quality? What what makes some people hearers and other people non-hearers? Well, he goes on and he's going to explain it. Jesus often taught in parables because he was concealing truth from scoffers and skeptics, but he was revealing truth to those who were seekers. In other words, the latter group listen and they were hungry for more so you know Jesus tells a story hey let me tell you about this this guy this farmer he was throwing seed out and let me tell you what happened to the seed if you're a busybody and you're you know you're focusing on your to-do list you're going to go hey Jesus that was a really cool story hey see you later i'm out of here i got to go get my car you know fixed or whatever but if you're listening and there is hunger in your heart and you realize who's talking you're not only listening on the surface level and hearing the story, but you want to know what does the story mean. You're, 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 you're wanting to tell, tell me what does that mean because here's the deal. You don't just, you're not just looking for knowledge. Tell me what it means so that I can apply it to my life and that I can be transformed. And so look at what it says here. Verse 12. Those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. And they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken from them. Now, you'll hear me say over and over again, Jesus is not a socialist. Jesus is not a social justice woke person. Let me tell you why. He said, if you will listen, and listen in the Bible means listen with the will to obey. So that as soon as you hear the Lord say something, boom, you're on it. If you will listen with those kind of ears, he said, you're going to have more understanding. But he said, for those who are not listening, even what little they have, taken away. Can I just say, Jesus is not about everybody gets the same amount. That's not kingdom. Let me tell you what kingdom is. You start off with one little bit. And then the Lord says, what are you going to do with it? And you listen, and you apply. And what happens to your one little bit? It expands, and it expands, and it expands. Kurt might be sitting over here saying, well, Pastor, I'm listening, but I don't know. know, I'm I'm skeptical. Eh." What happens to his faith? It atrophies. And finally, the Lord says, give me that gift. And I want you to see this. He takes the one gift from the person who's doing nothing, And he doesn't give it to the person that has nothing, or the person with one other gift, or two gifts, or what. He takes it to the person who's the most gifted, and he adds to their repertoire. Well, pastor, that doesn't seem fair. Jesus doesn't really care what you think about what he teaches. That's part. That's part of the problem. Quit trying to apply your thinking or American thinking or whoever other country's thinking to the Bible and believe what He says. Believe what He says. Believe what He says. Practice what He says. Stop analyzing the Scriptures. What's Jesus' real view about sexuality? He's told us about His real view of sexuality. It hasn't changed ever. Ever. I had someone come to me one time. Pastor, I'd really like to hear your revelation about tithing. Well, let me just paraphrase for you. Because I've been around long enough to cut through the you-know-what. <laughs> let me tell you. I'm going to First of all, it's not my revelation. Don't follow my revelation. Follow the Bible and the Holy Spirit's revelation of Jesus. If I'm a man of God, I'll be preaching under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, preaching the inspired Word of God, and you're going to get revelation. Not personal revelation, but truth, the truth from the Word of God. But then, let me just paraphrase. This is what he's really saying. I'd like an hour to waste your time so you could tell me a belief that you have about a belief I don't have and that I don't plan on adopting ever. Ever. Can I just tell you something? I have no desire ever to meet with Pharisees. Waste of time. I'll meet with broken people all day long, desperate people, messed up people, sinners. Amen. Just no Pharisees in the schedule. They'll irritate the heck out of you. Cause he, cause he, share with me your revelation. He had no desire to practice biblical stewardship. And I'll just tell you something. Sometimes I get accused of preaching prosperity or whatever. Listen, a person with an experience will beat a person with an argument a thousand times over. I'm not preaching to you from, 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 from theology that I don't practice. When I, when I tell you, hey guys, we have an opportunity to be enlarged. God wants to bless you financially because we got a new need in the building, which means somebody in this room or a bunch of somebody's, God's wanting to prosper. I'm not being cute. I'm not being a, 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 some type of used car salesman, you know, a shyster up here. I'm preaching to you what I live in my life. You're not going to talk me out of the provision of God. You're not going to talk me out of these principles. You're not going to talk me out of the word of God. You're not going to talk me into your atheism, whatever. I know too much and I've experienced too much. That should be the the root of your passion. We're not talking theory. You're telling somebody if you will honor God, if you will follow God, if you'll obey the principles of God. This is what God will do for you. Well, how do you know He'll do it for me? Because He's no respecter of person. And because hey, follow me as I follow Christ. All right, if you're a baby Christian, follow me. Do what I do. Practice what I live. Because if I'm any kind of leader, a godly leader, I will never ask you to do anything I'm not doing. So follow. This is what brings authority, genuine biblical authority. And it's why I've said before, you can call me Ron or you can call me Pastor Ron. What do you want me to be for you? Ron's not going to help you very much. But Pastor Ron can help you, because there's something about moving in God-delegated spiritual authority that's legitimate. There's something attached to it. Is this making sense? And I should never tell you to do something I'm not doing myself. So this is why revelation is important and why you should run I leave I mean, someone. This is the most scary place to be on Sunday morning. Please please hear me. I'm not being cute. Hear me. Straight face. What do you do on Sunday morning? You come into the presence of Jesus. We worship. Now, only you know whether your worship is authentic or whether it's not. But I'll tell you what, a good heart in worship, the Holy Spirit will start doing some work. He'll start to say, hey, why don't you get up, go down to Isaiah, I'm being Joe right now. Joe would never have to do this, but if I was Joe, I would have to do this. That was a joke, but anyway. um, So Joe's worshiping, and the Holy Spirit says, hey, you're a little harsh this morning, leaving the house. Why don't you just scoot over a couple seats, past your wife, give Isaiah a big hug, and ask him during worship to please forgive me for being harsh. or you can just be religious. I'm good. You can hear the word. You can hear that something is wrong. And you can just go, "Yeah, I'm not really ready to <coughs> obey that, but I'm at church and that must count for something. The, the big guy upstairs must be impressed. Let me help you out." He's not. That's right. That's right. Cuz you got treasure thrown at you every week. You got riches thrown at you, food, spiritual revelation, insight, the Word of God, and to treat it like it doesn't matter or God doesn't care, or to have some kind of sloppy grace in our lives, it is the most dangerous place to be. Is in a religious atmosphere where you hear truth every week and do nothing with it. I'm help, I'm trying to help you out. You're setting yourself up for disaster. You will be judged more harshly than the. Wicked person who never had a chance to hear anything. Your judgment will be higher because you just played church. And you played, listen, and you played with fire. We're in an atmosphere here. I hear this stuff throughout the week. This person here, they're on the verge of divorce. This guy here, he's got a drinking problem. He's out in the garage. Uh, he doesn't want to be married to his wife. Oh, this is right. You're in an atmosphere where 40 years of life-changing marriage principles have been taught. The well is so stinking deep. But listen, listen. It's not about knowledge. It's about humility and brokenness and coming before God and saying, I'm desperate to heal my marriage. Start with me, not with her. Start with me. Start with me. It's not that you don't have enough information. You've read a half dozen books already, and those books will not change your marriage. You need your heart to be rocked by the Holy Spirit. Until that happens, no hope. So principle number one, you've got to listen with the will to obey. Look at what Jesus taught in John chapter 7, verse 17. If you want to test my teachings and discover where I receive them from, First, 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 be passionate to do God's will. And then you'll be able to discern if my teachings are from the heart of God or from my own opinions. Here's what Jesus is saying If you want to figure out where I come from, your heart's got to be right first. If you're not willing to do what I'm saying, you'll never find out whether or not I am who I am. Jesus is not playing around with people who are playing around, he's wanting to know do you believe? Are you serious? Will you you do what I'm asking you to do? Because in the doing of it is when the revelation comes. It's not first. It's in the doing of it, the aha comes. You have to do it. Use the revelation God gives you. Look at verse 13. That is why I use these parables, for for they look, but they don't really see, Jesus says. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy. There it is, Isaiah. When you hear what I say, you will not understand. And when you see what I do, you won't comprehend. So let me ask you a question. What's the problem here? Why don't they see and why don't they understand? Well, look at verse 15. This gets back to the series we just came from, Matters of the Heart. Look at what verse 15 says. For the hearts of these people are hardened. Now, can I just tell you something? God could be moving like crazy in a church transformation happening everywhere. And you could be sitting here going, you know, I'm just not getting anything out of this church. I've seen moments, because I've been around a while, I've seen moments when we have been in a move of God. I mean, the Lord doing crazy awesome stuff. I mean, everywhere. And I remember where somebody got off the stage that was on the worship team and walked up to my dad at at a meeting where the glory of the Lord was present and said, you know, Pastor, you know what? We just feel like God's moving us to another church. I'm thinking, how do you leave a place where impact is happening everywhere, but you, but, listen, but you can't see it or discern it or taste it? Is it everybody else's problem? Let me just tell you, normally it is. That's what it is. It's everybody else's problem. Didn't work for me. Let me tell you you whose problem it is. It's your problem. It's your heart's problem. It's your hard-heartedness. It's your stubbornness. It's your pride. It's your lack of willingness to humble yourself. That's the problem, but you go to 49 churches and experience the same problems. I had one dear woman show up at our starting point class. She said, you know, we've been to this church and that church and this church and that church, and, you know, we left them all because of this, that, and they never do this right and that right now. But so far, so far, We like what we see at Living Stones. I'm like, are you kidding me? Please, show the lady the door. Go bless the church down the street. Are you kidding me? If I'm stupid enough to think we're not going to be on her list. Because the problem isn't the church. It's her. And let me just say, I'm going to give you a secret. If something inside of you right now, there's anger going off, I'm talking to you. I'm trying to help you. Because I love you, but if you're doing this and stiffening up, that's an indication that the problem is as close as your heart. Principle number two: humble, hungry hearts is what God's looking for. Humble, hungry hearts. Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty five, 25, he says, at that time Jesus prayed this prayer, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things, listen, hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. You gotta hear this. If you're wise and clever, God is hiding truth from you. Who wants to have God working against you? Okay, good. Nobody raise their hand on that one. Who would want God working against you? God is working against the wise and clever. The people have it all figured out. But he's revealing truth to people that are childlike. Now let me tell you what childlike looks like. I got eight kids. One of my favorite tricks, one of my favorite tricks. Come to daddy, want to see my froggy? You guys want to see my froggy? Yeah. Okay, I don't have a frog. I'm lying, but I'm a dad, and I'm trying to trick my kids. You want to come see my froggy? What do little kids do? Daddy's got a froggy. They come running over, and then you, oh, 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 you hold it in there like that, and their anticipation is building up. And then I, then I grab, my, ah, I kiss them all over and tickle them, ah! And then a day later, want to see my froggy? <laughs> now, some of my kids, they didn't get this till after high school. It was great, you know? <laughs> Joel, to this day, Joel, you want to see my froggy? You want to see my froggy? Now, some people, some people would say, oh, that's being gullible. How I many you know there's a fine line between being gullible and being childlike? Because when you're a child, you, here's what you know. My dad can beat up your dad. When my dad says something, he means it. When my dad has a froggy, I'm going to believe him. If he told me there's an elephant in the front yard, I'm going to believe him. And there's something when it comes, that's that's a human level. When it comes to the Lord, there's something powerful about childlike, humble, humility that says, God, if you say it, I believe it. If you say it, I believe it. And he never wants us to lose the sense where he's saying, hey, you want to come see what I got? His goodness in his mercy, chasing us all the days of our life. You want to come see what I got next? I know it's not good right now. You want to see what I got? You want to see what I have in store for 2022? Yes, Lord, I'm excited. Yes, Lord, I'm excited. That's what it means to be childlike. We want to be childlike. Unbelief will stop the flow of fresh revelation all day long. It says their ears cannot hear. They have closed their eyes. Their eyes cannot see, their ears cannot hear, and I want you to hear this last part. This is, this is a tragedy. Their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Do you hear the heart of God? Why does He want us to be humble and teachable and hungry and to obey? His desire is to heal you and me. I mean, you know, healing is synonymous with transformation. In other words, I know this. I cannot become like Jesus unless he does a lot of healing. Most of the reason we're messed up is because our hearts are jacked up, because we're wounded. Am I talking to the right group? And we interpret our life through our filter, and our filter is all of our wounds and hurts and experience and rejection and pain and addiction and everything. That's that's what's on our window. And so God's saying, you guys, if you would just be humble and rely on the Holy Spirit and obey me and trust me and have childlike faith, here's my desire. I want to heal you, yes. but I can't. Because you know why you wouldn't turn to me? Because you can't see. You're blind. Can I just make a plea? You know, this church, we try to keep it real. Uh, I, one thing I appreciate, Pastor Andrew got it for last Sunday, what he do you do? He keeps it real. He tells his own sins, his shortcomings. You go to our encounters, what do our leaders do? They tell you where they've come from. In technicolor yuck, so that you can see where God wants to take you. That's our culture here. And uh, I just want to say, your greatest days of transformation, I don't care whether it's your marriage, personally, you're dealing with addiction, I don't know what it is that's going on in your life, but your best days if you'll be humble and broken. And you'll cry out to the Holy Spirit, and you'll be real and not pretend. Not Don't be a poser. Just be real. God will, if you'll turn to him, he will heal you. He will change us. We're going to have so much fun being changed by the Lord. If we'll just stop putting up the pose of what we think we're supposed to be, stop acting like it's all together. Or how about, stop acting like it's always somebody else's fault. Turn in in the victim card. My gosh. Victims never get healed. Victims only get handouts. Victims never get healed. Don't be a victim. Own it. We're going to talk about responsibility here in a couple of weeks. I end with this. 2 Corinthians 3.18. So all of us who have had the veil removed, that's called revelation. Veil removed. We can see. And now we're able to reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. That verse kind of puts the whole thing together. We should be praying, Lord, open my eyes so I can fall in love with you more than I ever have. I mean, you know, someday we're going to see the Lord in his glorified body and we're going to approach him. Think about that. You're going to approach the Lord, not with your family, not with your church tribe, you alone. What's that moment going to be like? That shouldn't be a time when you'd be saying, you know, I've been excited to meet you. A little late for that. You should, you should be saying, running, <laughs> falling into his arms excited to 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 see the culmination of your union with Christ forever and ever and ever. it should not be a time where strangers are trying to introduce themselves to one another. Where does that begin to happen? How about in worship telling the Lord how beautiful he is, how much you love him, spending time with him? can I encourage you to do something this this is a change in my life this year. Obviously, I spend time with the Lord every morning that's a that's something I look forward to. I get in my Bible I got devotionals I go through and all that. But this is what the Lord's been encouraging me to do. Can you just sit in my presence and just focus on me? Don't, like, do your reading schedule and check it all off. And don't, you know, read your three devotionals and make sure they're all done and then shoot out the door. But can you just get up a little earlier? This sounds like, this sounds like a romance. Hey, honey, could you, could you just come over a little bit earlier so we can spend a little more time together? How about coming at 5 instead of 6? and That give us an hour more. Anybody remember those days? Come on. And I feel like the Lord just saying, hey, could, could you just be with me, just me and you? And can you just focus on me? And can you just pour your heart out to me? And can you just let me talk to you about some things that I maybe want to do for Living Stones and maybe how I want you to order your day? And so here's my, my routine. I get up, I flip the button on my, on my gas fireplace. The two furry beasts come running from their designated locations, one very big, one very little, there's, and here's how God speaks to us. Those furry beasts are so excited to see me. My golden retriever never comes without something in his mouth. He's bringing his offering. I've picked up this shoe along the way. Uh, sometimes he's got two tennis balls in his mouth. His cheeks are out like a chipmunk. He never comes empty-mouthed. And then there's this little tiny fur ball that looks like a squirrel. And she's now just being, she weighs all of five pounds. She's just now got enough strength to jump up next to me on the couch. And she'll run up right away. She gets in your face. She cleans out both nostrils. She makes everything good. Here's the point. She is so affectionate. She's like, I am so glad you're here. I've been waiting for this moment. And then you know what? They snuggle here and they snuggle there. And, and then we start to pray. I say we, they're not praying. But I'm praying and they're, they're with me. But those animals teach me so much They're always excited to see me. They always bring a gift. They always show their affection. And then they sit at my feet. The Lord's like, be like that. (laughs) Be like that. And things will work out. Stand to your feet. I want to pray with you. Can we just drop our guard right now? Just wherever you're at, just drop your guard. Can you just invite the Lord into your situation? Just say, Holy Spirit, just come into my life. Come into my marriage. I want to be changed this year. I want to be changed. I'm tired of this version of me. I want the new improved 2022 model with all the tricks. That's, that's what I want. I, I want the new improved version of me. Just, just tell the Lord that and cooperate with the Holy Spirit right now. Father, all we can bring you is our yieldedness, our broken, humble hearts, and Lord, our enjoyment of who you are. Lord, take the veils off of our eyes. Let us see Jesus. Take the veil off of our blind spots and help us to see things as they really are. Lord, show us where you want to heal us because really change is healing. It's it's you saying The way you're doing things, or the way you've been, or what's happened to you, is not what I intend. I just want to heal you. So, Lord, we just want to see change synonymous with your healing touch in our lives. So, Lord, we open the door to our heart. We open and invite the Holy Spirit to come in. Can you just dedicate yourself and consecrate yourself right now that 2022 is going to be a year of incredible healing and breakthrough? You're going to partner with the Lord. You're going to obey what His Word says. You're going to Approach Him with humility and and obedience, and you're going to watch the ahas happen over and over and over again. So Lord, thank you. Here we are. God, I'm excited to go on this journey with all my friends, and I just want to say to anybody in this room, a lot of times I give illustrations and stuff like that, and if you felt like your toe got stepped on, let me just say this, it wasn't intentional. I never preach at anybody in this room but I give illustrations that sometimes apply to numbers of people with the same situation. So I just want to make sure do not be offended by your pastor because I'm not trying to harm you or challenge you or hurt you. I'm trying to love on you and provoke you to righteousness. So Lord, help us move forward together. We pray this in your mighty name and everybody said, amen. If you need personal prayer today, come on down. We would love to pray with you. And if you're brand new... We would love to meet you. And marriage class does resume today at 4 o'clock, all right? So come on out. It's going to be a great, great time. Thank you, Noel. Love you all. Have an amazing week.